Hi, I'm Vicki Mabry, and this is the Evolution, the Religion of Death Breakout. Uh, before we get started, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, uh, this breakout has been bathed in prayer uh, for many months now. I just continue to pray now that you'll be with me as I speak, that you would have me to speak the words that you would have me to say. Um, open the, the hearts and minds of those that are here, that they would hear what you would have me to say and focus our minds on uh, the important lessons and give us discernment and help us to remember what we learn so that we can be ready to give a defense of what we believe uh, when the time is uh, ready. And may you be glorified in all that we say and do here today, Lord. Amen. And this is not going to be your average evolution talk. You've all uh, had lessons or learned in the past about two major types of evolution. You have organic evolution, which is monkey's demand type of evolution. And you have cosmic evolution, which is the big bang theory. And that everything that exists today is the result of some cosmic explosion uh, billions of years ago. But as Christians who believe uh, the account in Genesis that God gives us about the creation of the heavens and earth and Adam and Eve, we don't believe in evolution and we've done breakouts on those in the past. Uh, if you attend Zach's worldview uh, breakout, you'll hear a little bit more about that. But today we're going to look at the deadly consequences of having an evolution-based worldview, which is the religion of evolution. Uh, this is why I'm here today, teaching on what is kind of an uncomfortable subject. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 8 says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom... Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of evangelist, fulfill your ministry. This next verse is Colossians 2.8. Beware lest any man take you captive through vain and deceitful philosophy, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Since Darwin published his book on origins over 150 years ago, Civilization has been on a dangerous journey of replacing God and his creation of the universe with what the Bible calls, in Colossians 2.8, vain and deceitful philosophies of men. These men and women are what we have today. We have politicians and rock stars and news anchors and teachers and cartoonists and TV writers they all are teaching these vain and deceitful philosophies of men, even some pastors and preachers. Those vain and deceitful philosophies include 
evolution and naturalism and socialism and Nazism and and so many other isms that we have in our society today. And Paul warned us about being taken captive by those vain and deceitful philosophies. Well, one of them is naturalism. Naturalism is the view that nothing supernatural took place in creation. It's replaced Christianity as the main uh, worldview or the main religion of the Western world and really the entire world. Naturalism and evolution are faith-based, which makes them a religion. Many evolutionists even admit to that. Scientists cannot see what happened in the past, and they cannot recreate what they think happened in the past as far as evolution goes. And so they have to accept evolution on faith. Well, all of us either have a naturalistic worldview or a religious worldview. A worldview is like putting on a pair of glasses that filters everything that comes into uh, your view through any of your senses. So anything that you see or hear or feel, we interpret it according to our worldview. And that is how we regard how the universe and mankind and everything came into existence. We have a worldview of creation or a worldview of evolution. Now we all, so that means we see the world according to our mindset that believes that God created the universe or that everything that's in the world today happened because of an accident, time, mutations, chance, and that mankind is nothing more than evolved pond scum, you know, the primordial soup that they say we all evolved from. And then you believe that when you die, that's the end. There's nothing after that. So how many of you actually sat and pondered the idea of evolution last week? No, we don't generally give it a whole lot of thought. But when we're not thinking about it, it still has great consequences in our lives and, and has a great uh, influence. We're not even thinking about it. Uh, we're watching Discovery or Animal Planet or sitcoms or talk shows or movies or even cartoons. Uh, really just about any secular media is going to have evolution influence dialogue in it. We begin with our kids when they're, when they're preschoolers, and we indoctrinate them with the myth of evolution. In many states, evolution is required teaching, but biblical creationism is forbidden to be taught. Um, evolution has so pervaded our society that many pastors and teachers are now compromising a faithful stand on Scripture and uh they insist that they believe the Bible's inerrant, but they will reinterpret Genesis to accommodate evolutionary theory. Uh, beginning back in 2009, thousands of churches across the world started participating in what's called Darwin Day every year. And in fact, the Church of England has gone so far as to dedicate a portion of its website to Charles Darwin, where they apologize to uh, Darwin for getting him, uh, for misunderstanding him. You have a, here you have an entire Christian faith 
apologizing to Darwin, uh, which after you see today just some of the horrible influences that the theory of evolution has had on our society, it's, it's really just horrendous to think about apologizing to Darwin. When I say evolution as a worldview is a religion of death, I'm not just talking about all of the death that is required for evolution to take place. I mean, you have to have billions of years of pain and suffering and death um, where you have mutations and, and creatures dying off so that others can take their place. Uh, just an awful lot of death for evolution to occur. What we're going to talk about is the millions, actually billions of deaths that have taken place in our world uh, since evolution became the dominant worldview. And uh, so the first crime against humanity that we're going to look at, that you don't think of as being deadly very much, is the crime of racism. The religion of evolution is racist. Now, of course, people were racist before Darwin wrote his book on origins. Even uh, one of the leading evolutionists of our day, Stephen Jay Gould, said, Biological arguments for racism may have been common before 1859. That's when Darwin published his book. But he went on to say, but they increased by orders of magnitude following the acceptance of evolutionary theory. One of Darwin's closest friends was a professor, Adam Sedgwick. After he read his friend's book, he said, if this book were to find general public acceptance, it would bring with it a brutalization of the human race such as it had never seen before. And he was basically talking about the racist views that that book engendered. This is a book he was talking about, Darwin's Origin of the Species by Means of Natural Selection. Now, we've all basically heard that title of the book, but it has a subtitle that has been dropped in subsequent editions of the book because evolutionists are kind of embarrassed by it. That subtitle is or the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. You see, he he said favored races. What does that mean? That means that Darwin thought that there was uh, one race of man, a supreme race that uh, had prevailed and that would become the supreme race on the face of the earth. And uh, I'll tell you in a minute why I put finger quotes around the word race. According to Darwin, the favored race was the European white people. As for Asians and Africans and others, Darwin taught that they had fallen behind in the fight for survival. They weren't as evolutionary, uh, evolutionary advanced as white people were. And so they are some of the ones that would, um, would die off as the, the whites became the supreme race. Now, I know that we have people of different ethnic groups here, and I don't want to offend you, but evolution is offensive. So remember what I'm talking about when we get into a little bit more of this is evolution talking, okay? So hang in there with me. This is an evolutionary tree that 
it'll come up there in a second, that Darwin drew. He'd already said in his book, uh, Origin of the Species, that the natives of Australia and Africa um, were at the same level of evolution as gorillas, and he claimed that they would disappear. Uh, he said that they, he called them inferior and said that it was essential to keep them from multiplying so that they would come to extinction. Uh, here's a quote by Darwin from another of his books, The Descent of Man. He said, at some future period, the civilized races of man will almost certainly exterminate and replace the savage races throughout the world. He's dividing mankind into inferior and superior kinds, what he calls races. He talked about the Australian Aborigines. Look at these beautiful people. You can see love and honor and intelligence in their eyes. Yet during Darwin's time, he and his contemporaries were responsible for the slaughter of 10,000 or more of Australia's Aborigines. They went out, hunted them like wild game, killed them and shipped them to British museums to be studied by scientists. Over 15,000 Aborigines were killed by the United States government and sent to the Smithsonian Institution to be dissected like so many animals. And, um, I mean, they, they didn't think anything more about killing these people than they would like a, a, an elephant or a tiger or something in Africa because to them, they were just animals. Well, there was never a man more committed to exterminating the so-called savage races than Adolf Hitler. Keep in mind that the savage race mentality is the result of evolutionary thinking. During World War II, the total number of Holocaust victims was between 10 and 17 million people. That wide range of numbers there all depends on who you're counting in different uh, resources that you look at, whether they're just counting the Jews or if they're counting um, the Polish or the Gypsies or whoever else they're including in that number. If you've never seen the movie, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, I highly recommend it. But in the movie, speaking of the Jews, one Nazi says something that capsulizes the Nazi mindset. He says, they're not really people. So if you don't think they're actually human, that they're just animals, a savage race, uh, those that are to die off so that the supreme race can, can uh, take over, then it becomes very easy to kill them. Just like the Aryan racist of today, Hitler sought to exterminate all non-Caucasian people in order to build his supreme race. You may have never heard this before, but Hitler's ideas for extermination actually originated in the United States. And I'll explain that in a few minutes. Um, this is a friend of Hitler, Sir Arthur Keith. He was a British anthropologist and an evolutionary uh, atheist. And he said, the German Fuhrer, as I have consistently maintained, is an evolutionist. He has consciously sought to make the practice of Germany conform to the theory of evolution. He also said this, now grasp this, 
Remember what I said about evolution being faith-based. He said, evolution is unproved and is unprovable. We believe in it because creation is unthinkable. So I told you that I would explain why I finger quote the word race. Well, here's the reason. What we think of today as race does not actually exist. From the creation of man some 6,000 or so years ago, we have all been one kind in Adam. We're all biological descendants of Adam. We're all made in the image and likeness of God. In Genesis 9, 5 and 6, the Bible says, In the image of God has God made man. Acts 17, 26, From one man, God made every nation of man. So why do we look different and live in different parts of the world? Well, we can find that out also by going back to Genesis in the account of the Tower of Babel. In chapter 9, after the great flood... God had told Noah and his family to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. But only two chapters later, in chapter 11, the men of Babel had settled in a city and were building a tower, the Bible says, to make a name for themselves. And as they said, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. They were rebelling against God. Well, God wasn't concerned that they were actually going to be able to build a tower all the way to heaven. What he was concerned about was the fact that they had been disobedient. In chapter 9, he said, Go out into all the world, be fruitful and multiply. But in chapter 11, they said, We're going to stay put. We're going to stay right here in Babel and make a name for themselves. So... God gave them different languages so that they couldn't communicate with each other and they couldn't cooperate and build this tower. And so when they realized that they could communicate with a small group of people, but not everybody else, the ones that spoke the same language grouped themselves together by language and they went out into the world in these different groups. Well, when you have a defined group of people that... Uh, multiplies and propagates, then you concentrate those genetic features of that group. And uh, so that's how you got the different looks of people that we have today, what we think of as racial characteristics. If certain groups, if the languages had been different among different people and they had gotten together and they'd gone out, you could have had You could have had white-skinned people with dark curly hair and uh, larger foreheads and longer arms or whatever. It would have been concentrated differently. So that's how we got the different physical features and the ethnic groups that we have today. That we refer to as races, but they're actually just different people groups. Um... You know how you can take two dogs that are of mixed breeds, and if they have one breed in common, after several generations, you can breed them back to the pure breed, which is done all the time with, with in the animal kingdom. So if you had the time and the, and the uh, 
capability, you could actually breed humankind backward to the pure uh, Adam bloodline. Um, what's ironic today is that we're trying very hard to overcome racism, but we are teaching evolution in schools, which, which actually engenders uh, a racist attitude. So you're teaching kids to adopt racist principles. Fact is, all human beings in the world today are classified as homo sapiens sapiens, which means that scientists admit that everyone in the world today is biologically just one race um, of humans. The racial characteristics that we think about, um, well, I, let me go back. In our genetic makeup, the, only, the difference between everybody in the world is only 0.2%. So you take somebody that you think looks as far different from you as possible, you have 0.2% uh, difference in your genetic makeup. And what we think of as uh, racial characteristics only makes up 0.012% of the biological difference. In fact... Um, if you need an organ transplant, the closest match for you might be someone of your opposite skin color. So you could be closer genetically matched to someone of uh, a different ethnic group than you are of someone of your own ethnic group. Okay, that's a lot about racism. And we've seen uh, how it's killed millions of people. Uh, through the years, the adopting that racist worldview. Um, so we're going to look at another crime against humanity, which is a result of an evolutionary worldview. Something you don't hear a lot about anymore, and the younger you are, the, the less likely you are to have heard about it in school. It's something called eugenics. And the reason we're going to look at that is because of its influence on... Um, the horror of abortion that we have in the world today, we're going to look at eugenics first because it, it led to this, uh, to this thinking about abortion. Eugenics is about improving human hereditary uh, qualities through selective breeding. Uh, we talked about selective breeding in animals. It's used to enhance uh, the the qualities that we look for in purebred animals, but eugenics refers to humans. The American Eugenics Society was formed back in the 1920s, and it had a widespread campaign to improve human physical, mental, and social qualities. It tried to justify hatred of the poor, the chronically ill, the handicapped, and others of what they called social misfits. There was a Supreme Court case called Buck versus Bell, and Chief Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes, Jr. handed down a decision in which he said, It's better for all the world if society can prevent those who are manifestly unfit from continuing their kind. Three generations of imbeciles is enough. What, what he was saying is that stupid people ought not to breed more stupid people. I don't know which one of you might be uh, the lowest in your class, maybe, 
Who's going? Um, yeah, my brother was valedictorian, and I was two years younger than him. I come along, and they're like, oh, we're so glad to have you in our class. I'm like, wait, <laughs> I'm average or below average. Don't expect that from me. I mean, I might have been one of the ones they said, this girl, she does not need to continue her kind. Uh, <laughs> this, uh, this lawsuit uh, set a precedent which resulted in 33 states adopting laws of forced sterilization to prevent people who were called feeble-minded or other people that they classified as defectives from reproducing. Oh, I had another strike against me because I'm an epileptic. And they used to put epileptics in what were called sanatoriums, you know, and they didn't want us to, to reproduce. Uh, the, the eugenicist had over 60,000 men and women in the United States alone forcefully surgically sterilized so that they couldn't reproduce. This is in our own United States of America. And remember, we're talking about the results of an evolutionary-based worldview that divides humans into inferior and superior kinds, or what uh, they called races. They were trying to help evolution along. Evolution's about survival of the fittest and uh, having the, the most fit propagate their kind. This is all a result of Darwin's evolutionary theory. Remember how I told you that uh, the Holocaust came about, uh, that it had its beginnings in America. A lot of famous people were involved in the eugenics movement. In 1904, the Station for Experimental Evolution at Cold Spring Harbor, New York, was founded with funding from Carnegie and Rockefeller and others. Alexander Graham Bell was its first director. It was a man from that office named Harry Laughlin that was sent to Germany to talk to Hitler about uh, the United States eugenic program. Rockefeller funded what was called the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute and sent that uh, eugenics program to Germany with what he called hope for a worldwide campaign of eugenics. Well, moving along, Margaret Sanger came along. She was an outspoken eugenicist and was the president of what used to be called the American Birth Control League. One of her, the goals of her organization was to purify America's human breeding stock, she called it, and purge America's bad strains. She's using terms that are usually reserved for talking about breeding animals. She considered... Um, African-American people to be one of those bad strains. She said, we do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. A plan that she said would be the salvation of American, civil, of American civilization. Well, it shouldn't surprise you to learn that the American Birth Control League is now called Planned Parenthood. It has thousands of abortion clinics around the world. Let me just interject here. If you see anything that's put out by Planned Parenthood 
or uh, pushed by Planned Parenthood, run as fast as you can in the other direction. They are not about uh, parenthood or family uh, values or anything like that. They're having a huge impact in our schools. In fact, just last month, they opened a clinic in a uh, Los Angeles high school. Um, they are corrupting the minds and morals of our young people today. Sanger called for what she called uh, the problem of the feeble-minded and the menace of the moron. People she called the dead weight of human waste. She said, just get rid of them. Uh, on your handout, I've got, I've got a uh, link to a website that you can read. Just this woman was about killing off as many humans, especially uh, black people, as possible. And uh, unfortunately, she's been very successful. In the 2008 book called Liberal Fascist, the author wrote that abortion today ends more black lives than heart disease, cancer, accidents, AIDS, and violent crime combined. Ends more black lives than heart disease, cancer, accident, AIDS, and violent crime combined. In regard to ending uh, poverty and ignorance, Sanger said, there is only one cure for both, and that is to stop breeding these things. These things are human beings. She said, stop bringing to birth children whose inheritance cannot be one of health or intelligence. Stop bringing to birth. You know what that means? That means abortion. And um, as I said, they're being quite successful. According to an organization called the Restoration Project in New York, in New York City, for every 1,000 black babies born alive, almost 1,500 are aborted. In Washington, D.C., for every 1,000 black babies born alive, 1,650 are aborted. More than half of all Black babies in those cities are murdered inside their mother's wombs. In Washington, D.C., it is still legal to kill your baby up until it, the moment of birth. We've all heard horrible stories about the KKK, the Ku Klux Klan, and they have committed heinous acts in the past. But look at this comparison. The KKK has brutally killed about 3,500 black people since it began in 1865. Planned Parenthood has killed more than 17 million black babies since 1973. There's something out of balance. The African-American population in this country is about 12%, but 38% of abortions are performed on African-American women. I took a look at the Planned Parenthood website. I go to it quite frequently in my studies. And ironically, there's not one photo of a baby on the website. It's supposed to be about parenthood. Don't you need a baby in order to be a parent? On their website, you will read whether they say a baby is not a, a human until it takes its first breath. They work hard not to call a baby a baby. 
They will call it uh, tissue or uh, uterine contents or an embryo or a fetus. Those are embryo and fetus. Those are good scientific terms, but they make a point of not calling a baby an infant or a baby because if they can get the mother to not think about their baby as human, it becomes a lot easier for her to kill it. There's a video on the website with an anatomical drawing of a woman during an abortion, but it doesn't include a uterus or a baby. Makes sense to me. You got to have both to have an abortion. Planned Parenthood is not about delivering healthy babies. It's about killing as many babies as possible. And to evolutionists, babies are just animals, maybe a little bit more evolved. I like this billboard. You'll see it uh, if you're looking out the left window of your bus on the way to the river. It says, God send us someone to cure AIDS, cancer, etc., etc." And God said, I did, but you aborted them. I don't know how true that is, but it gives you uh, something to think about. Can you see the baby in this ultrasound? Uh, you can see him scratching his head with his finger. Up there at the top. This is our beautiful grandson, Parker. Uh, Zach and Rocky's little boy. Three months before he was born. You see him scratching his head. Another ultrasound showed him um, sucking his thumb. But abortionists will tell you that Parker was not fully human at this point. Let me show you another photo. That's me holding up my firstborn son, Arthur. Arthur was born at 28 weeks. A normal pregnancy is 40 weeks. So he's the same age here as Parker was in the ultrasound. It's at a point in pregnancy where many babies are aborted. A friend of Dr. Martin Luther King said, America won't reject abortion until... America sees abortion. Well, I'm not going to show you pictures of aborted babies here today. We don't have the staff available to clean up all the vomit that would occur if I were to show you the horrendous photos. But, but um, doctors will cut up babies inside their mother or burn them with acid or decapitate them or pierce their skulls and suck out their brains Anything that they have to do to keep a baby from being born alive. But um, for some doctors, even having a baby born alive is not a problem. I want you to remember we're all, we're still talking about this from an evolutionary viewpoint that says that we're nothing more than just animals. Some abortion doctors will either kill a live baby. Or just set it aside and not give it any attention so that it dies on its own. In what is being called in the media, fourth trimester abortions or live birth abortions. On the website, bornalivetruth.org, a nurse talks about where she discovered that the hospital that she worked in was performing what she called a, a, she found out was a very common procedure called live birth abortion. That's where babies just delivered and set aside, not given any attention so that it dies. There were some uh, 
reports that came out of a hospital in Chicago where it was learned that babies that had had survived induced labor abortions were dumped in a closet along with soiled linen. An investigation by the Illinois Health Department determined it was not illegal to treat a newborn infant like trash. When he was a senator, President Obama voted against the Born Alive Infant Protection Act. It came up for a vote three times while he was a senator, and he voted against it all three times, saying, if my daughters make a mistake, I don't want them punished with a baby. Thankfully, this uh, Born Alive Infant Protection Act passed in 2002, but there are still doctors and hospitals indulging in the practice of letting babies die of neglect. Well, we're calling this the religion of death. I've been talking a lot in terms of millions. People talk about millions and billions and trillions today like they're not all that large numbers. Let me show you what a million is. Millions of people died in the Holocaust and millions of babies are killed by abortion. But I think that we don't have a good grasp on how much a million is sometimes. This screen contains 2,500 dots. There will be more abortions than this. This number on the screen today within 24 hours in the United States. That's one baby every two seconds. To to make a million would take 400 of these pages. Okay. Since abortion was legalized, there have been 50 million abortions in the United States. That would take 20,000 of these pages with 2,500 dots apiece. Since 1980, there have been 1 billion, 256 million, 600,000 abortions worldwide. That's four times the current population of the United States. Four times as many people as currently live in the United States have been killed through abortion since 1980. It would take almost 503,000 of these pages to equal that many murdered babies. 503,000 times this many. Belief in evolution makes it much easier to kill an unborn baby. In a worldview, according to Darwin, if we're just a little bit more uh, advanced animals, if we can slaughter a chicken or a cow for dinner, or we can hit a dog in the road and not lose sleep over it, then we ought to be able to kill our own children that are no more valuable in the evolutionary worldview than a chicken or a dog and go about our day with no more thought about it than the cow that we had for lunch. I mean, evolutionists think this way. The Bible assures us that a baby is human from the moment of conception. In being fully human, it has a soul 
Jesus Christ died for the soul of that unborn child. And that gives every infant infinite value in God's sight. Listen to these verses. You have brought me out of the womb. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Psalm 22, 9 and 10. You knit me together in my mother's womb. When I was woven together, your eyes saw my unformed body. Psalm 139, 13 through 16. Listen to this one. Jeremiah 1, 4 and 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before we were ever formed, before we ever conceived, God knew us. Before you were born, I set you apart. Before our mother ever got pregnant with us, God knew us. Well, here's another result of the uh, religion of death. Euthanasia. Euthanasia is referred to by many as mercy killing. Uh, it goes in the category with right to die and assisted suicide. For the evolutionist, it doesn't uh, value human life over any other life. It becomes easy to pull the plug on a person and kill him or her saying it's for their own good. But think about this. If you legalize euthanasia, you have doctors in hospitals making decisions that are not in the best interest of the person or their family. Uh, it can cost millions of dollars uh, to keep a person alive. And a lot of times after they are, they've been hooked up to all these kind of machines like that and pronounced brain dead, they, they recover. So uh, you, you can spend all this money on them to keep them alive up until the time that the body can heal itself and recover. Say $40,000, $400,000, $4 million, whatever it might take. Or you can spend $40 or $400 and you can kill them. With hospitals and doctors making the decision and them wanting to stay in business, what kind of decisions do you think they're going to be making? They're going to be pressured to take the cheapest route. The evolutionist doesn't care. He agrees with Margaret Sanger. These uh, human beings that Jesus died for are just human waste in their eyes. Now, I can truly empathize with people who have to make life and death decisions. Uh, the little boy that you saw in the picture, Arthur, he lived to be nine years old, and he died of pneumonia. And I stood over him while he died. And um, I stood by my mother's bedside as she slipped to a into eternity. So I can empathize with people who have to make some kind of life and death decision. Um, there are many factors that need to be uh, taken into consideration at a time like this. And, and I can't talk about all of them here, but you have to make sure that the entire family has all the facts, that you take time in prayer and medical counseling and spiritual counseling. And on your handout here, is a link to a website I highly recommend called Eternal Perspective Ministries. And uh, there are excellent helps there about decision-making and euthanasia. Well, there's another practice in America today that makes it legal for parents to sue doctors and others for what is being called the wrongful birth of a child. 
people have even sued the doctor that delivered them. Like I would sue a doctor that delivered me for allowing them to be born. These are called wrongful birth and wrongful life lawsuits. There have been several that have been highly publicized lately where parents have successfully sued doctors for millions of dollars for not informing them of their child's disability prior to its birth. Now, they claim they love their child now that they have them, but they would have aborted them had they known beforehand. I apologize for the quality of this picture. It's, it's uh, one of the only ones that the, that the man had. Uh, that he could lend to me. This is a little boy that was born without arms and he's eating with his feet. This is a friend of mine. Some of you might know him. He was on staff here at Snowbird for several years. This is Daniel Ritchie now with his lovely bride and with his wife and his new baby boy. He has overcome his obstacles and he's living a fulfilling and happy life today as uh, as youth pastor. Youth pastor. And he's serving his creator that allowed him to be born that way. And uh, he is Lord of his life. Now, many babies like Daniel are aborted today. As one judge said when he ruled against a couple of parents, the very phrase wrongful birth suggests that the birth of the disabled child was wrong and should have been prevented. If one accepts the premise that the birth of one defective child could have been prevented, then it's but a short step to accepting the premise that the birth of entire classes of defective children should be similarly prevented, not just for the benefit of parents, but also for the benefit of society as a whole through the protection of the public good. This goes back to the operating principle of eugenics. Uh, Because of genetic testing that's done today and abortion practices, 92% of babies that are diagnosed with Down syndrome before birth are now aborted. Even though most children with Downs go on to live healthy healthy lives with a, uh, a lifespan as long as most other people, and are very happy, uh, and some are very productive human beings. As humans, we are precious to God because we're made in his image. He gave us life, and no matter how deformed that life may appear to the world, every person is created for his glory, Isaiah 43, 7. We need to realize that the only basis for valuing life is found in Scripture. And the only way that we can stand up and defend the life of those who cannot defend themselves is when we start with the authority of God's word. You know, it's amazing to me that the same evolutionists who support abortion rights are frequently the same ones who loudly support save the whales, save the owls, save the seals, talk about endangered species. The woman who founded PETA, the people for the ethical treatment of animals. She expressed her evolution-based worldview that humans are just animals when she compared millions of slaughtered Jews to millions of KFC chickens. That's the evolutionary worldview. On a recent episode of the TV show Harry's Law, 
Harry defended an ape and tried to have it declared a person. There's actually a worldwide effort to get personhood for monkeys. The irony is that the same people that will call unborn children or recently born children not human will argue that a gorilla is a person. You know, if in the United States, if, uh, if you destroy an eagle's egg, that's an unborn, that's an embryo of an eagle, it's a federal crime. It's punishable by more than 10 years in jail and a $250,000 fine. But you can destroy a human embryo and have it federally funded. Who did Jesus die for? Whales, seals, owls, snails, all these different ones that we've heard through the past few years. You know, we've got to save the spotted owl. Well, when, when Jesus returns to earth, he will redeem all of earth and all of life that suffered because of sin and corruption. But Jesus died for mankind. He became a man to identify with us. In fact, Jesus loves each one of us so much that if we were the only person to have ever lived on the face of the earth, he would have given his life for us or for that unborn child. There's some people like Hitler that give their lives in the service of evolution, and they think they're performing a wonderful service to mankind to help us evolve. Jeffrey Dahmer killed and cannibalized 17 men and boys. And he said that his strong belief in evolution played a part in his crimes. Thankfully, while he was in jail, his dad sent him some creationist literature, which he studied, uh, and he realized the lie of evolution and how it cheapens life. Jeffrey Dahmer eventually became a Christian. You think you've committed a sin that Jesus can't forgive? Jeffrey Dahmer accepted Jesus' sacrifice for his sin after murdering and cannibalizing 17 men and boys. You cannot commit a sin so bad that Jesus can't forgive you. The shooters in the uh, school massacres at Columbine and another one in Helsinki, Finland, they all said in their manifestos and in interviews that they were acting on the behalf of evolution helping natural selection along and getting rid of defective individuals. You can read those online. You see, the problem is evolution has no way to account for morals. Evolution is naturalistic, which means that everything that exists had nothing supernatural involved in it, and it all evolved. And it all has to be material, something tangible. You can't evolve morals or conscience or life uh, from something that's immaterial. The world's best-known evolutionist, atheist of our day, Professor Richard Dawkins, says he doesn't have an answer to the morals question. He said, I am not advocating a morality based on evolution. My own feeling is that a human society based simply on the genes law of universal ruthless selfishness would be a very nasty society in which to live. 
What he's saying is we base our morals on evolution's uh, survival of the fittest, which actually boils down to every man for himself. There would be no morals or laws that said anyone couldn't take anything that belonged to anyone else uh, that they wanted. So murder, taking life, stealing, taking property, adultery, rape. All those things would be laws to live by. And they're subject to change because societies around the world that don't have a Christian worldview, they all have different uh, morals in their societies. You got cannibals over here. They think that's right. So what's to say that we couldn't adopt those morals? I mean, everything, every man would be doing what is right in his own eyes, just like uh, Judges says. That illustrates the bankruptcy of Darwinian morality. And it should all give us great concern if that's the morality, or lack thereof, that is replacing the historic Christian basis for traditional values in our country and in our lives. In the American Atheist magazine, one author wrote about Christianity. It's very sobering. Listen to this. He said, Christianity has fought, still fights, and will fight to the desperate end over evolution because evolution destroys utterly and finally the very reason Jesus' earthly life was supposedly made necessary. Destroy Adam and Eve and the original sin, and in the rubble you will find the sorry remains of the Son of God. You will take away the meaning of his death. This writer goes on to say, If Jesus was not the redeemer that died for our sins, and this is what evolution means, then Christianity is nothing. Evolutionary biology tells us loud and clear, there are no gods, no purposes, no goal-directed forces of any kind. There is no life after death. When I die, I'm absolutely certain that I'm going to be dead. That's the end for me. There is no ultimate foundation for ethics, no ultimate meaning to life, and no free will for humans either. In the evolutionary religion, God is left out. And the only other option for supreme authority is man himself. And if that's the case, then each person can determine what's right and wrong in his or her own eyes. Evolution's being taught all over the world. So it's it's logical to assume that this influence is going to sadly continue to bear more of the same fruit. Abortion, racism, euthanasia, murder, rape, stealing, actually the breaking of all the commandments. So what I want you to take away from this is that next time you're tempted to make a racial slur, remember that you're related to that person, that Jesus died for that person just like he died for you. If you're contemplating sex outside of marriage, remember God's commandments and remember that you are made in God's image. If you're a Christian, you're God's temple. And you're not an animal that doesn't discriminate in who they have sex with. 
If you are a friend or considering abortion, remember that baby is fully human. It's made in God's image. To kill it is murder. And that Jesus died for its precious soul. So the creation and evolution issue is is more than just academic questions about geology and the Big Bang and fossils and that sort of thing. And it's more than just uh, questions about biology, uh, evolution of man to, to fish, to bird, to monkey, to man. It's your worldview of either religion, uh, either uh, evolution or creation is going to affect uh, all of your belief and your behavior. So you need to be prepared to choose your religion. Is it going to be God-centered or man-centered? Is it going to be theistic creationism or evolutionary naturalism, which all boils down to either life or death?